The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. It is not news when a car is stolen in Columbus because news is something that happens rarely. We don't write about planes that fly. We write about planes that crash because that is rare. It's not rare for a car to be stolen in Columbus, sadly. So, uh, but it is rare. It only happened once before, but it's now happened again that a stolen car is crashed. And the person who is driving the stolen car, I don't know if they stole it, but they were driving the stolen car, uh, is dead. That has happened in Columbus again. The first time it claimed the life of two teenagers. This time, we do not know who died in the crash in the hilltop area of Columbus at the intersection or near the corner of Sullivan and Georgesville Road just after 2 a.m. this morning. More on that, but we have other violence to tell you about. A Columbus mom was driving through Linden last night, 1130, heard a gunshot, and unfortunately the bullet found her. Hit her in the chest. She was able to drive to a local hospital and is expected to survive. Her two children were in the back seat. So our once wonderful, safe city is torn by violence once again, and everybody around the state knows it because it's the same in the biggest city near them, whether that's Dayton, Cincinnati, Cleveland, Youngstown, Toledo, doesn't matter. And it's a national phenomenon, too. Violence has erupted all across the country since COVID, which put us on edge, no doubt, March of 2020. Then George Floyd happened, and the Democratic Party lost its mind, tag-teaming it with an incident that had happened a few years earlier in Ferguson, Missouri. They hatched the defund the police movement. They're now running from that as the midterms beckon. But they're running from everything that they advocated, closing schools, vaccine mandates. Oh, did you see yesterday that? New York City, all those hospital workers, all those city workers, all those firemen, sanitation workers, cops who were fired because they wouldn't get the COVID shot, not vaccine, shot. They were fired because they wouldn't get the shot. Now they get reinstated and back pay and back pay. Yes. How about if they do that for the uh, military as well? That would be nice. That would be nice. Hopefully the Supreme Court will take up that cause. Producer Pam, we are happy to have you with us on a Wednesday edition of the Bruce Hooley Show, both on The Answer in Dayton and The Answer in Columbus, 94.5 and 98.9. What of that stolen car crash last night in Columbus? Well, can't blame the cops for this one. The officers did not give chase after they spotted the stolen car prior to the accident, driving in the wee hours of the morning without its headlights on. Hmm. The officer made a U-turn to stop the driver, but the driver took off, and the police did not pursue. So, the officer, uh, the uh, the uh, stolen car driver crashed that car into a metal utility pole. The car burst into flames. The officer tried to break into the car and rescue the driver, but perhaps they were belted in, the heat was intense, whatever reason, the officer could not get the person driving the car out, and the person died. It was uh, an incident that closed 
the streets in that area for about three hours. They reopen before 5 a.m. today. So we await finding out who that was who died in that car crash. We know who died in the train wreck last night. That was the Pennsylvania Senate debate. That would be John Fetterman. John Fetterman, the uh, gargantuanly big stroke victim who has nevertheless continued to campaign for the Senate seat in Pennsylvania that has been held by Pat Toomey, a Republican. Dr. Mehmet Oz is the nominee favored by Donald Trump. I think that's why Oz won the primary, much like why J.D. Vance won the primary in Ohio. And Mehmet Oz was hopelessly behind John Fetterman, and John Fetterman was doing a Joe Biden for much of the campaign. He was hiding out in his basement. Uh, He is a a unique individual, shall we say. He's a trust fund kid who uh, wears Carhartt sweatshirts. And by the way, if you're going to go with the I'm so poor I can't afford a suit, uh, Carhartt gear is not very cheap, John Fetterman. I I can't afford Carhartt gear. A lot of people can. I wear the knockoff brand from, you know, another big box store. But <laughs> Fetterman wears the Carhartt, and they're always like, oh, look at him. He's an everyman. No, no, he's an elitist masquerading as an everyman. And he's also a stroke patient, or should be, masquerading as a healthy political candidate. You know that they made all kinds of allowances last night for John Fetterman at his one and only debate, which didn't happen until a large majority of Pennsylvanians had already voted via mail-in balloting. John Fetterman wanted to delay the debate as long as he could. He wanted to avoid the debate altogether if he could, but he started getting ripped by major newspapers in the state of Pennsylvania. So he thought, okay, Let's put it off till late October, only about two weeks before the midterms, and then I'll finally do a debate, and I'll insist that they give me a teleprompter to look at to have the questions transcribed because I haven't recovered from my stroke sufficiently enough to be able to interact with people like 99.99% of the population can. Nevertheless, I'm fit. To serve as a U.S. Senator, just ask my doctor, who, by the way, is one of my top donors, if I'm not ready to serve in the United States Senate. So it didn't take long last night for John Fetterman to, let's say, raise questions about whether or not he is indeed fit to serve. You've seen those picture comparisons on social media, how it started, how it's going. But we'll have how it's going for you a little bit later. But here (laughs) is how it started for John Fetterman. You're running for a seat that could decide the balance of power in Washington. What qualifies you to be a U.S. senator? You have 60 seconds. Hi. Good night, everybody. (laughs) I'm running to serve Pennsylvania. He's running to use Pennsylvania. Hi. Good night, everybody. Is John Fetterman, like, secretly Hawaiian? Is his hello mean goodbye? Doesn't aloha mean hello and also mean goodbye? Hi, good night, everybody. That's how John Fetterman started last night's debate. And then with a canned response that they programmed into his hard drive, I'm running to help Pennsylvania, he's running to hurt Pennsylvania. I think that's awfully arrogant. How so? Hi, good night, everybody. Yeah, hi, good night, yeah, everybody. That's I think it Answer was, the question, I sir. I think he was 
unaware that he said goodnight, everybody, because the longer the debate went, ah, I see. the more incapable he seemed. Here are some of his canned answers and lines throughout the night. Dr. Oz can't possibly understand what that is like. You know, he has 10 gigantic mansions. You know, he we, we must push back against corporate greed. We must make sure that we're also pushing back against price gouging as well, too. So we got the Oz mansions, the pushback against corporate greed, and the price gouging, all in one comment Mm -hmm. from John Fetterman. The trust fund kid who, on his financial disclosure forms, did not disclose that he owns all seven properties in Braddock, Pennsylvania. And I know if you're a Democrat, you're saying, well, they didn't even add up to $100,000. Okay, so why did he own seven properties? Why do you buy seven depressed properties in Braddock, Pennsylvania, where you're serving as mayor? I know why I would buy seven properties in Braddock, Pennsylvania, because I would be positioning myself for a day when those properties would be worth a whole lot more. Because as a public official, I would know what agenda items are on the docket to maybe revive certain areas of Braddock, Pennsylvania. So this guy's lived off his trust fund. He bought his house from his sister for $1. His parents gave him a 40-some, almost $50,000 income. Uh, up until he was almost 40 years old, which all of that is just, you know, typical Democratic duplicity. Don't do as I do, do as I say. The other guy's evil, even though I've done everything that the other guy has done. But as the night went on, it became very apparent that they're doing in Pennsylvania with John Fetterman exactly what they've done with Joe Biden. They have found a useful stooge who is not mentally competent enough to recognize that he's being taken advantage of and used by the people in his party to obtain power, which he will then surrender to the people, whoever they are, who are pushing his buttons. Listen to John Fetterman try to talk about how difficult it is for single moms in Pennsylvania, although he invented a different term for them than I've ever heard. And how can a man, you know, with, with you know, 10 gigantic mansions, you know, has... Uh, and willing to talk about a, a willing wage for anybody. Imagine a signal mom trying with signal two children mom. trying to raise with them, realizing making $31,000 a year, you know, $15 an hour. It's painful to listen to John Fetterman, and it's really uncomfortable for me to tear apart what he has to say because it gets to the point where it sounds like you're making fun of someone who is mentally infirm. It's more that he is so colossally unprepared and unable to fulfill the job for which he is running. But worse than that, we have become so partisan in our country that there are going to be hundreds of thousands of people in Pennsylvania who will fully know how compromised and inept John Fetterman is. And because he has a D next to his name, they will vote for him nonetheless. Well, lies were the order of the day yesterday uh, from the Democratic Party. Kathy Hochul in New York, uh, Gretchen Whitmer in Michigan, Corinne Jean-Pierre at the podium at the White House, uh, Dr. Ja, the head of the COVID response team. Uh, But that's normal, right? And that's depressing. And we get tired of the uh, serial, unrepentant, pathological lying from the White House. So let's start segment two of the Bruce Hooley Show today with some really, really good news. I have... 
amazingly good news. COVID is no longer racist. That's right. According to the Washington Post, and what better authority could you get? I mean, if the Washington Post says something is not racist, then you really know it's not racist. Here's a tweet from the Washington Post. The imbalance in death rates among the nation's racial and ethnic groups has been a defining part of the pandemic. A post-analysis reveals a changing pattern in COVID deaths. That's right. COVID, which disproportionately killed blacks at three times the rate of whites early on, now, since that initial infliction of racism, has abated. And the Washington Post says, as 2020 progressed, death rates narrowed, but not because fewer black people were dying. White people began dying at unimaginable numbers, too. Now, I submit to you. What greater proof could there be that white people are not racist if they're willing to die at a higher rate just to keep up with blacks so COVID won't be racist? I mock this revelation from the Washington Post, just like I mock the existence of widespread racism in our country. From whites, at least, does it exist from a few whacked, evil white people? Yes, it does. You know what? It also exists from a few whacked, evil black people. One of whom, one of whom is currently a U.S. senator. His name is Raphael Warnock. He's a black pastor. Eh, wretch. Because here is what Raphael Warnock has said from the pulpit. I don't, no matter what happens next month, more than a third of the nation that would go along with this is reason to be afraid. America needs to repent for its worship of whiteness. On, on full display. Mm. Thank you, Reverend Warnock. We'll be sure to uh, light up the heretic sign above your church. Uh, this is not just Reverend Warnock who says so. Many of you may be excited if you are white to go see the movie Black Panther Wakanda Forever on opening weekend. It's this coming weekend. I'm not a Marvel guy. My kids like Marvel movies. But... A social media influencer with hundreds of thousands of followers. She is known as The Lavender Lee, kind of like The Ohio State University. Uh, She says, no white people should go see (laughs) Black Panther Wakanda Forever this weekend. You should buy tickets and give them to black people in a video on TikTok. Lavender Lee says uh, they can ev- we can eventually us white people can eventually see Marvel's Black Panther Wakanda Forever but here's what she said on TikTok. I will translate so you don't have to download TikTok and have all your data stolen by the Chinese. This message is to all our wimpy accomplices and and she uses air quotes white allies. This message is to tell the white people who have BLM in their bio Uh, Listen and learn. If you really want to prove to black people that you love us and you care about us and you are down for the cause, do not go see the movie on opening weekend. You buy your ticket. You give it to a black person or a black family who can't afford to go. Wait, you're not done. She has more directions for you evil white people. Then Then you go sit in that theater. Wait, I thought we weren't allowed to go in. Oh, here we go. I have further clarity. Then go sit in that theater. She doesn't mean 
in the theater, she says, in front of the doors, you make sure that every black person in that theater can enjoy that movie in peace. You make sure that you use your body to block us from anybody who'd be coming in that theater to do us harm. That ha- you know, it's frequently been a problem at uh, Marvel movies, white people coming in and doing harm to black people who are law-abiding citizens who have bought their tickets. That's a, it's a national proliferation of that all across the country, at least in the mind of Lavender Lee. She concludes, this is your job. You can go see it on another weekend, go see it on the second or third weekend, but the first weekend, that's for us. Yes, nothing says racial reconciliation like dividing people into us and them. Uh, This is, of course, nonsense. It was always nonsense that COVID was somehow being combated or being visited upon blacks more than others. Now, if you want to get into commonalities that all people who died from COVID had and whether those commonalities existed in greater degree in the black community than in the white community, well, that's a that's a logical, purposeful, helpful conversation. I don't know if rates of obesity are higher in the black community than they are in the white community. I don't I don't have that data in front of me, but I know that people died from COVID were more predisposed to obesity than they were to good health. You know, sickle cell anemia disproportionately affects blacks as opposed to whites, but I don't ever remember anybody accusing sickle cell anemia of being racist. It was just that there was something about the biological components of the African-American population that made it more predisposed to suffering from sickle cell anemia. What this conversation is really indicative of is that there is this insatiable push to inject race into every conversation. And our country is decidedly worse off because of it. We have turned America into a haunted graveyard at midnight where we are looking around every corner and every creek and uh, noise, we whirl around looking for racism where racism doesn't exist. And it does a vast disservice to the black community, which has too eagerly embraced racism as a cause for the problems that proliferate in the black community, like single parenthood. And it makes white people do silly, stupid things like take blame for things that are not their fault. So I hope now that we've used the Washington Post to prove that COVID isn't racist. Maybe we can get back to just being sane.